0: If you love what you hear, please subscribe, leave a stellar review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know. Hello, and welcome to episode 58 of the Maker Mom Podcast. Today's guest is Katie with Handy Mom. Katie uh, has a background in being a trim carpenter. She was that for years, and then she became a stay-at-home mom about two years ago uh, with the birth of her daughter. Now she uh, produces content around DIY, carpentry, and remodeling on her YouTube channel, Handy Mom, and she also shares that information on Instagram. It was really great getting to talk with Katie, for one, I mean, fantastic name katie hello and for two uh she just had a lot of information to share and it was really fun learning about her journey from being basically the only female in her carpentry program uh to now you know venturing into content creation in the youtube world so without further ado here is katie with handy mom all right okay Okay. All right, well, let's just start with um, how about you give an introduction of yourself. Who are you? What do you do? That kind of stuff.
1: Yes. Hello. My name is Katie. I was a trim carpenter for years until I had my daughter, Devin, and then she'll be two in December. So I have one kid and I became a stay-at-home mom when she was born. And since then, I've done like couple of craft fairs stuff like that but in June I started a YouTube channel around kind of DIY carpentry remodeling kind
0: of stuff okay awesome and uh two you're just getting into the uh thick of the uh enforcing independence and uh yeah it's all uphill from there. I don't know what else to say. Oh, that. man. Yeah, she,
1: she's still pretty sweet now, so I'll cherish all the moments. Exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, inserting, uh, you know, uh, saying that they're independent does not always mean that the sweetness goes away. I have kind of like one of each, my oldest the sweetness totally was like, well, I won't say totally gone, but a lot less at like 18 months. Mm -hmm. I'm still waiting for it to fully come back and he's six and a half. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) And then my youngest, um, she really didn't start until like a little past three. And even then though it's like, Hmm. she's like super easy to just redirect and bring back her sweetness. So I think it just just depends on the kiddo um Uh
1: well then I I want the latter one (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: yeah, since I have
1: a choice in the matter
0: you know (laughs) exactly um all right well let's go back a bit to your childhood like what was your childhood like where'd you grow up uh what, what things were you interested in yeah um well
1: I definitely never thought I was going to be a carpenter when I was a kid. Like I didn't take shop classes or anything in high school because I just knew I wasn't going to do anything like that. So um, I was more into music. My family's very musical. So we do have that kind of artistic bent, I guess in more of a musical sense. And both of my sisters are um, more artisty than me. I guess they're better at, One's a potter, and the other is a painter, so they're good at that stuff, and I never could do anything like that, but, um, yeah, my, sorry, I feel like I'm already, I feel like I'm already all over the place, but, um, as far as my childhood leading into what I do now, um, my mom was the handy one of my parents, and not, like, extremely so, but if something small needed fixed, it was her that was going to do it just because my dad didn't do that kind of thing. And that didn't make either of them less than. It's just I always had this idea of women being handy. It's like, well, of course they can. And so the fact that there wasn't as many of them doing it, it's, I don't I didn't know why they just chose not to be that way. But it's like, well, yeah, this makes lots of sense. But then as far as, like, actually becoming a carpenter or a wood artist or anything like that, I definitely never
0: thought I was going to go there. (laughs) Okay. Um, Did you, I mean, I know you're in the Midwest now. Did you grow up in the Midwest? Yes. Yeah. Um, I grew up in
1: Nebraska, basically. We were in Iowa for, like, the first five years of my life. But
0: ever since then, Nebraska. So the Midwest my whole life. Okay. Okay. Um, and you said you're the youngest of three, mm-hmm.
1: right? Yes. All right. Yes, my folks got three girls, and I'm the last and the best, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> I'm sure you'll hear back from your sisters on that if they listen to this episode. <laughs> um, okay, so, but they're both, uh, your older sisters are um, are more in, like you said, into the artistic side is that their mm-hmm. uh, careers now or um, just hobbies or? Um, hobby, not, neither okay. of them as a
1: career. Uh, my middle sister is a therapist and I she has a double major in art and therapy and then her master's in counseling. So I wouldn't be surprised if that got incorporated someday into her work. But um, so far, not professionally for either of them.
0: Okay. Uh, And as far as you, like, so you kind of had this idea that it's no big deal for women to, you know, be handy as you're growing up because of your mom. So what did, what was, what did it look like post high school for you?
1: Yeah, well, I did one year of traditional four-year college as a communications major. Um, And by the end of that year, I was just having a lot of trouble resigning myself to the idea of doing that forever or anything else that I could think of to get a degree for at that kind of college forever. So I, um, for the longest time in high school, like starting in eighth grade is when they have you map out all the courses you're going to take in high school. And then by the time you're a sophomore in high school, they're like, okay, start thinking about what you want to do in college. So you're supposed to decide very early on, like what you want to do with your life, which is important. But also, it's hard to get it right when you're like 14. <laughs> so um, after that first year of college, and I felt like I finally gave myself the freedom to be like, okay, but what sounds fun and like reasonable fun, like someone will pay me an hourly wage for, but not just like, okay, well, I guess I'm a smart kid, so I should do some of these things. And, yeah, so I decided building construction sounded fun. So I went to a trade school in Nebraska for their building construction program.
0: What do you think about that sounded fun to you? Like, what was it that drew you to that?
1: Yeah, um, I think actually doing as opposed to, like, things on computers or words. Or, I mean, I like to write as a hobby for fun. So not diminishing that at all, but just uh, actual constructing and like, look what I did today. And let give me ahead. I know one of your questions is, uh, "What's your favorite part of what you do?" And that's what drew me to it. Is you get to the end and you have this finished product, and it's like, look, look what I just did, and it's a big accomplishment feeling, and. I think that's what I liked about it,
0: and I still like that about it. Okay. Um, Did you consider, I mean, going to a trade school, there's all kinds of different trades there, right? There's Mm -hmm. like, I don't know if the trade school you went to had like welding, but that's usually a trade or like mechanics Mm -hmm. or uh, plumbing Mm -hmm. or any of that. So was there something specifically about like, construction trade versus the others that you liked
1: um because again this is a major life decision just based on like well this sounds fun so let's do this now I like the smell of wood
0: (laughs) that's very fair that's very fair
1: (laughs) (laughs) plus that has that too so I mean yeah Hmm. I, I didn't have any great reasons for like this makes a lot of sense and I I've had a lot of people ask me, like, why do you do this? And the easiest way is just to say, well, it sounded fun. Because there's not a great concrete inner voice leading of, like, great reason why.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Um, Well, you said, too, though, that, like, you still enjoy doing it. So what was that, Mm -hmm. I mean, how, like, if, were you, uh, I'll start with, were you the only woman In your classes at trade school?
1: I was um, I was the only one in my program so at that school like the building construction program they have three different ones going at the same time like first and second quarter, third and fourth quarter, fifth and sixth quarter so they always have like a first, a third, and a fifth or the other way. Um, So of those three classes I was the only female and the entire campus, because they didn't have nursing or business there, um, it was all, like you said, like welding, automotive, farm diesel, diesel tech. In the entire campus, there was 2% female population. So we were pretty outnumbered. And yes, in my program specifically, I was the only one there at the time.
0: Okay, so what was that like? Um, good
1: and terrible <laughs> um my i really got along with my professors um i think uh people think it's really cool to see women in non-traditional careers so you're like a step ahead in that sense but at school this was literally like my only negative experience with being the only girl in construction my classmates um I had, some of them were friends and some of them just really did not like me. And I, I can never tell in hindsight if it had to do with a female. I know in large part it had to do with, I didn't know anything about any of it when I started there, like no shop class, no relatives that used to do it, nothing. So I was pretty dumb and I asked a lot of questions, but I was top of the class bookwise because I had always done really well in school, so I worked very hard, and that part came naturally, so I think it was hard for them, for me to be, like, the best on paper, even though they all knew that I really struggled, like, out in the shop, because I was just starting from nothing and learning all the things at the same time, so that was... Um, plus they were all young boys just out of high school. So they weren't fully secure in themselves yet either. Um, like as soon as I got into the workforce, it was like all positive and people knew that they were better than me. So they were happy to help me. But I think in that one very specific stage, um, when I was around these other young, these young men that were still figuring out their own confidence levels. Um, it translated for some of them into kind of an ugly thing and like you shouldn't be here and you're never going to make it and just random stuff like that. But that's what's truly my only experience with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. And I mean, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and thank you for sharing that and being honest about that. Just so you know, I can totally relate. I wasn't at a trade school. I did go to a four-year college, but manufacturing technology was my Mm. uh, degree. Mm -hmm. And so in my program, there were two of us women. Um, Did you get along? Her and I, no, we did not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, we did not. Uh, I, see, I
1: saw that at my school, too. There'd be, like, two girls in automotive, and they'd just pull their opposites. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. Hard.
0: <laughs> um, We didn't, though I will say we did actually have, like, a decent amount of women who we would see, like, in the building, like, in the industrial technology complex, because we had graphic design. That was like, and so that was like the joke within my program was just like, the only way we ever get women in the building is because we have graphic design here. Um, and so, yeah, it was, I will say I never, I had the opposite in the sense of I never really got ugliness from my classmates. Um, more than anything, like you, I was like, I don't know, the top 2% of my class because I was, like, very just focused Um, Mm book-wise. So what I usually got is, like, all the slacker guys wanted to team up with me when there's, like, team projects because they're, like, Katie will, like, get all the work done. (laughs) Uh (laughs) And we'll get good grades. But but for the most part, they all treated me just kind of like their little sister, you know, even though we were, like, the same age. But that – but. I will say um, I, there were quite a few professors that struggled with me being in the class. And hmm. some of it, I think it was cultural um, because quite a few of my professors were uh, from, the middle, from Middle Eastern com- uh, countries and so mm-hmm. i think a lot of it that just the culture played into it that in general kind of you know education of women is not seen necessarily very highly um in some of the countries oh, that gosh. they were f- that they were from yeah. so that definitely played a role i think yeah. but um let alone
1: educating women to do men's work oh, exactly
0: <laughs> exactly um So that was, yeah, I mean, again, ugliness from a different point of view, but I can totally understand, like, where you're coming from there, Mm -hmm. Um, but glad to hear when you transitioned into the workforce, you didn't face that, Um, so how long were you, did you work in construction before um, having your daughter?
1: Yeah. Um, after school, I was a house framer for a very short time, like six months, and then I transitioned into being a carpenter for a residential remodeling company, and I did that for five
0: years. Okay. Um, did you continue doing that, like through your pregnancy? I did. I worked
1: out in the field up till seven months. Um, And there was a few limitations after, once I was into the second trimester, uh, my doctor did put me on a 40-pound weight restriction, so I couldn't lift my saws, I couldn't lift my compressor, uh, but I was, by that time, it was a small company, but by that time, I was uh, the best trim carpenter at the company, so uh, they would send a project manager out to set me up. just like set all my tools up so that I could get going. And also I wasn't supposed to be on anything taller than like a two foot ladder once I was into the second trimester. But um, but with residential trim carpentry, I didn't have to do much up on the ceiling. I just didn't do any crown molding, I guess, after the first trimester. But other than that, it was business as usual until – seven months and my doctor actually, she told me, she's like, you can do this all the way up to the end, but I will write you a note whenever it becomes uncomfortable. So I cried uncle at seven months. I I felt too pregnant to continue crawling around on the floor to lay some baseboards. So then they found me work in the office for the next two months until I have my daughter.
0: (laughs) Well, that's awesome. I mean, it sounds like you had a really great experience uh with that part of the process anyways um yeah and I I just
1: looked into having a very chill doctor like I didn't seek her out like who's gonna let me get away with the most stuff but I she was very like yeah like
0: nurses lift people you can totally lift your compressor for however long but yeah that's awesome and, and I will totally agree that, I mean, yeah, at seven months crawling around on the floor is probably not the most ideal. <laughs> um, yes.
1: I did not love it.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So like you said, when you first kind of, when you went to the trade school, like had you had any experience maybe not experience as far as like framing or construction, but had you had any experience at all with tools before that? Um, I I was trying to think of it to prep for this. And there
1: was one summer that I worked um, maintenance for a kid's camp and they were building a new building that summer. So in between like lawn mowing and fence post pounding, there was a couple of times where I went to help with some of the building, but really what that looked like mostly was, like, painting, but there was one time that somebody handed me a drill to, like, try to finish screwing in a sheet of drywall, and I was stripping out the bit so bad that he took it away from me and was, like, found something else for me to do, so that was my entire experience with tools <laughs> before I decided I was going to be a carpenter.
0: <laughs> um so, was there any, I mean, were you intimidated at all when it came time to, like, learning how to use the tools? Were were your teachers at the trade school, I mean, were they good about walking you through, like, this is how we use a circular saw, and this is how we use, like, these different tools?
1: Yes, yeah, 100% to both. I was so nervous. I mean, drill isn't really nerve-wracking. It's more just, like, try not to get laughed at because you're not using it right but with all this size yes 100% they they did lots of safety teaching like 80s video included before we ever got to use anything and they would watch us the first time we used it but I was still like internally very scared (laughs) but nothing bad ever happened at school anyway. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so it was all fine. And then slowly over time you become more comfortable.
0: Mm -hmm. And I did. Good. Yeah. Now I had this question just pop into my head, uh, thinking a little bit more about that experience for you. And in reference to uh, the last two episodes of the podcast, um, being the only female in the program, and I know you said that, like you know, you excel kind of with education in general. But um, did you feel like did you feel like you had to almost outperform your count your male counterparts because you were the only female in the class?
1: Um, I don't know that I ever got a chance to feel that way because I was trying so hard just to catch up. <laughs> like there wasn't a chance of me becoming better <laughs> than them in that small time frame. Cause it was uh it was a two year program. Um and every quarter it was something brand new. Um but yeah, no, I think I think that the performance that I did have as far as grades went was just natural to me as far as like, this is the GPA that you strive for in everything educational. And so you put in however many hours required to get there. Um, So I think that that was pre, I'm the only female here. But I'm, I'm sure it made me more comfortable. I didn't think a whole lot about it, I guess at the time, except in how it made me uncomfortable because my classmates didn't like that I did better than them in that when I couldn't even like, Run a circular saw, Um, but I'm sure it made me a little more confident. Just like, okay, I'm not completely failing in everything.
0: Right. What was the first tool that you felt, power tool, that you did feel really comfortable using after, you know, after getting the practice in?
1: Yeah, probably the miter saw. I think that's the easiest as far as saws go, because everything is very stationary and straightforward, and there really aren't any moving parts except the one hand bringing the blade down.
0: <laughs> okay, um, and you are totally not alone. I think almost everybody answers with that, <laughs> what the matter solving, oh, the first <laughs> <words>. Um <clears throat> uh-huh. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the transition um after having your daughter um like while pregnant did you know like I'm gonna stay at home or did that come like after she was there type thing like what was that process
1: I didn't know pre-pregnant how much I was going to prioritize staying at home um, but during the pregnancy Uh, so before she was here but During the pregnancy, I came to that decision, and um, my poor husband has been coping with it ever since, but, um, yeah, uh, I I didn't know before she came here, and then, I'm sorry, did you ask what that transition looked like?
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. At first, terrible. Uh, the, The first several months that she was here was like a early midlife identity crisis for me and i i don't think i'm alone i think that's can be a big thing for some first time moms anyway because i had gone from this like fit strong independent kind of cool like the carpenter chick person to being this like saggy soggy person that just like fed somebody and was entirely financially dependent on my husband and It was like, who am I anymore? (laughs) So it wasn't until she was like three or four months old, I finally got myself out to the home store. I picked up some lumber to do um, the stoop on our house. Didn't have a railing for like the first three or four years that we lived here. And it's like four foot off the ground. So I'm like, I'm building a railing, darn it. So it took a ridiculous amount of time, probably a week and a half, between like newborn care and the fact that she was a Velcro baby But I built a railing, and that was such a game changer. And I have since learned ever since then how much I need to keep doing that kind of thing alongside being a mother.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And I will tell you, you are totally 1,000% not alone. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I learned this probably, I, I learned this only a few months ago that like, the female brain physically and chemically changes forever upon giving birth to your child and becoming a mom and so I'm like they really should put that in literature like everywhere so that you can prepare for it yes exactly Uh (laughs) um I mean, it makes total sense. Your brain changes, uh, you know, due to like caveman days and the survival of the species and all of that stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. but it totally creates an identity crisis. One thousand percent. Um, you do question like, you're like, who am I now? Um, you know, especially it's like, especially in that newborn phase like everybody asks about the baby and how the baby's doing and the baby looks so cute and you're just kind of like yeah still here you know <laughs> didn't disappear i am not just the thing that's like feeding the child all the time <laughs> um, the
1: person that takes the baby away from you when it yeah, needs to eat. <laughs> yes exactly exactly
0: <laughs> i'm sorry yeah <laughs> So you're definitely not alone there. Um, I'm going to say I'm a little, I think it's awesome that you had this passion and enjoyed this work beforehand because I think then it gave you a place to turn to in that, in that trying to be like, where did I go or who am I now? Like you had something to turn Mm -hmm. to. Um, a lot of yeah, the moms. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah, a lot of the moms in an interview for the show find like kind of DIY woodworking like post becoming a mom in a means of like I need to do something with my time or I'm going to go crazy, um, you know. And so I think that's awesome mm-hmm. that I feel like you had like a little bit of a leg up, right? You already knew that this was something you enjoyed doing beforehand.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: totally. Um, In your introduction, you talked a little bit about, you said that you had tried out um, like craft fairs type thing. So Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about that? Like what made you try it out or what kind of things were you making for those? Yeah.
1: Um, My oldest sister lives close to me. So we have a joint craft fair venture that we do um to start out with uh <laughs> we were kind of, everything we made is a little bit kitschy just like oh we've seen people make this and we could make this so let's make it and sell it and it went well but we lost the joy of making pretty quickly because we weren't being like oh this looks like so much fun to make it was like I could totally make that so I'm gonna make it and sell it so um just recently actually we have kind of redirected and we, we did like two craft fairs this summer and I think we're doing one in the beginning of December and we did one this fall so it's not like a crazy thing but um this year we decided that we're only going to make stuff um that we feel like making because at craft fairs you don't make enough money to sell stuff that wasn't fun to make like it, there's no point to it <laughs> um so we she's into watercolors. She's my sister that does more painting So she's doing that and I've been doing more wood art recently still uh, What I would take to a craft fair is small and simple because it still has to sell for like home decor prices We haven't done any art fairs or anything like that where people expect to pay a little more um, so any wood art that I have done to this point I just put it in my house because it's like well I can't sell this for 30 bucks or I will cry so yeah that's <laughs> that it's, it's a fun thing more than anything it's a fun way to spend time with each other but it's not really like a good business model or <laughs> anything
0: like that hello friends today's podcast is sponsored by Carolina Shoe now I have been wearing my steel toed Carolina shoes, safety shoes, safety boots really for quite some time now and I'm going to tell you I love them and I wear them every single time that I go to the shop. Um, They keep my feet safe. Uh, with the steel toe tip they keep my feet safe from falling objects Uh, but there's many different types of safety toe options not just steel toe also they're oil and slip resistant and waterproof Uh, so whenever i get some water in the shop They keep my feet nice and dry, and they're super comfortable. I wasn't expecting that, but they really are. So take it from me, who does wear these shoes every time I'm in the shop, that they're really awesome. And if you want to go check it out and get your very own pair, you can get a special 10% off using the coupon code MAKERMOM10 at checkout. So just go to carolinashoe.com and again, enter that coupon code makermom 10 to get 10% off at checkout. So thank you, Carolina shoe and go get yourself a pair of these awesome boots and thank me later. Right. Um, okay. And that's fair. And I think you're spot on. Um, though I would say even at art fairs, I don't always feel like people give the artists what they're really worth. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's just a educating the masses type thing about like how much time really goes into these pieces um, mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. So yeah, what... that,
1: that's true for I'm always a bit I'm always a big advocate for uh, trades people are work how much money they're charging you. Um, because of like the hours of learning that went into them to be able to do whatever they're doing and also the hours they're spending on it. And it's the exact same for artists, but it does boil down to I believe that they're worth that much money, but that doesn't mean that I have the money to hire an electrician to come do all that in my house. So that's hard when there's that disconnect where you feel like you can only market your skills or your art to people who can afford more expensive stuff. And it's like, well, just because people can't afford you doesn't necessarily mean that they don't think you're worth, although some people just don't think you're worth it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. All right, so what made you decide to do a YouTube channel?
1: Yes, uh, so that is primarily motivated as a side hustle that I'm trying to build um, to enable my leech lifestyle that I'm currently living um I don't think stay-at-home moms are leeches I'm totally 100% kidding (laughs) um but uh I think a lot of youtubers are a little coy about that like oh yeah I just started this as a creative outlet and it never goes anywhere I'm totally fine with that um but I guess that's not my experience uh it is a long slow build so I have to just like have some joy in doing it until I am hopefully able to build it somewhere where uh it can become something that can be monetized. But I guess the idea that I had was with my daughter, I don't have the time to make 20 of the same thing to sell. Cause I um currently I only use like saws and stuff when she's napping. Uh, cause she won't keep her ear protection on really. And even if she does, I am really focused when I'm working. So I don't know that that would be a great setup at the age that she is now, especially. Um, so I only have like two hours a day to do this kind of project. So instead of trying to make 20 projects and selling them, what if I made one project, filmed it, and then tried to turn that video into my business model instead of the actual selling of the things. So that hasn't worked out as much of a golden path as I thought. Like there's so much work beyond the actual filming of the video. I'm still needing to find a better balance with. Like I I come out for air from my phone and I realize I've been ignoring the little person that I'm working so hard to be able to stay home with. Um so a lot of balance I still need to find with that, but the idea of starting the channel was hopefully to build it towards some kind of part-time income that could help us out so that I can continue to be a stay-at-home mom.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's always way harder than people, I think assume starting out and you're exactly right. The time to actually make the whatever is the least amount of time that you actually put into the content. 10-minute <laughs> uh,
1: video is yeah. like 14 hours of
0: yeah. work. <laughs> uh, you've got, you know, editing time. And if you're doing voiceovers, you've got to do all of that work. And uh, then like the cross-marketing across platforms for the new thing. Um,
1: and always educating yourself on yes. how to do all of that and how to get seen and everything. Yes. yes. Yes absolutely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so you know I don't know um, how far into this you are yet but maybe we could spend just a little bit of time talking about it. Uh, So you said like you enjoy writing as like almost like a hobby. Does that have you turned any of your videos into blog posts as well?
1: I haven't, no, I've never blogged. I just jumped right into blogging. <laughs>
0: um, one avenue that can be very beneficial to your YouTube channel is to also break down each video into step by step instructions with stills from the video um, and put that and the link to the video on Instructables. Um, There's a lot of really good crossover between Instructables.com and YouTube, and usually the people who go through your instruction on the Instructables will watch your video, will watch it for longer, so you get more of the retention rate, uh, which drives Mm -hmm. the algorithm on YouTube then to suggest your videos to more people. Um, So that, that is a really that, good. Thank you. For... Yeah, that's a really good uh, tip <laughs> and trick to use. Yeah, um, and
1: especially my a lot of my videos, I try to make them like accessible, and even if they're not all spelled out how tos, that's kind of generally what I'm going towards as far as the format of my videos. So that would pair perfectly with my channel. So thank
0: you for telling me about that. You're
1: Instructables.
0: Instructables. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, it's just the word like instruct and then A-B-L-E-S at the end dot com. And it's super easy to get started. So I've gotten into my own rhythm where for the last year, whatever, like when I get a video produced, uh, basically as soon as I get it, like before I even upload it to YouTube, I will create like a Word doc or Google doc with the step-by-step instructions capture all my stills from the video and have that ready to go so that I release it to YouTube and then I basically put it up on instructables like you know within a 2 hour time frame and it's just copy and paste then since I've already typed it up and then put the pictures in with it and then I have the mm-hmm. link for the YouTube video to put in there because it's already up and live and um <clears throat> that really helps your numbers for the first you know day to week that your video is up which is really like kind of the crucial point uh, right yeah (laughs) to drive traffic for your videos Um, and it also then you know even helps maintain traffic because it it is a platform that that stuff kind of remains evergreen because people will go instructables and like search like how to do whatever and so Mm -hmm. your stuff can keep popping up it's not like an instagram where it's like you know after three days most like nobody's seeing it anymore Mm -hmm. unless they're going specifically to your page
1: right yes i I haven't gotten good at prioritizing Instagram yet for that
0: reason like why it's just gonna disappear <laughs> um yeah i mean and and that's really i think that's really the thing that people outside of the kind of content creation world like you know i would i would say even like spouses like don't understand like well, why are you on, like, every single platform and, like, posting mm-hmm. across every single platform? And and it's uh-huh. because you have to, right? I mean, first of all, something that you put up on YouTube maybe doesn't do so great on YouTube, but if you post it just slightly different across all the other platforms, it might hit somewhere else, and it could eventually mm-hmm. lead to something somewhere else. Um yeah. The other place I would suggest that can work well too with Instructables is LinkedIn, believe it or not. Um, okay. Yeah, they have where you can put an article up, which basically you could do the same thing, cut and paste that uh, how-to step-by-step with pictures and a link to the video in there. Uh-huh. Um right now, I mean, and then you can incorporate like hashtags and stuff like that. But again, it's something that if people go searching for how to something, your article can pop up whenever they go looking for that. Um, And um, so that's really a good place too. And the last one, I would say, given your age, I think you could break down some of your Um, how-tos into some really quick, fun clips to do on TikTok. I've recently just started putting up, you can only like import like a 15-second clip, but I've even seen some success there lately. Um, Uh, Do you, have you heard of, and he hates being called this, but have you heard of the social media guru, uh, Gary Vanderchuk or Gary V? No. (laughs) Well, he has, he has a podcast. He has a YouTube channel. He has audiobooks. He has everything. Um, Okay. And so the, the TikTok and the LinkedIn thing, he has been pushing really hard for people to use those platforms right now. Just because there's no money investment and there's still really, really good like organic growth that Mm. you could have seen in Instagram if you were on it, you know, six, seven years ago, which I was not. Um, And it's really difficult. Got mine. (laughs) Yeah, and it's really difficult to get that kind of organic growth now. Um, But you can get Mm. that on LinkedIn and TikTok, and you can point, point them back to your YouTube. So, um, those would be the ones I would stick with, uh, and again, instructables. He doesn't talk about that because he's not necessarily in that, like, he's not in the maker space. Um, Right, that is specific to, yeah. this is how you do that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, but it is, that is also another really good one that I've personally seen results with. So, I think all three of those and I know you talk about time um, and I understand that you've got a really little one at home and really at an age that you should not leave her alone for any amount of time whatsoever. <laughs> um, two-year-olds get in lots of trouble very easily. Yes. Um, it's
1: always to my detriment when yes. I do. It creates more work for me later.
0: Exactly. Um, but they're so dang cute, right? You just, can't help it.
1: <laughs> I I am so convinced that that is like genetically this is how children survive to adulthood because otherwise without that cute factor I think a lot more of them would just be gone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think you are absolutely 10,000% correct on that. <laughs> and they learn very quickly how to use that to their benefit, too.
1: Oh, I know so many kids are like, are just the naughtiest. And then when they get in trouble, they're like, mommy, give me
0: a hug. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So you're trying to turn this into, like you said, your side hustle, your part-time business. Mm-hmm. What, if anything, has maybe held you back from trying to make this leap?
1: Um, I don't think anything. Like, I had the idea to do a vlog one week, and I started it the next week. Um, Yeah, I, I don't think anything, actually. Okay maybe more should have I mean they all tell you just start and I do think that that is good advice but man it's like being in puberty publicly just like trying to figure out how you're going to do everything like am I a goth am I a prep I don't even know yet and everybody's like niche down figure out who you are and you're putting up these I'm putting up these, like, crappy quality videos. I mean, excellent content always, right? But just, like, bad lighting, bad sound, background music, like, awkwardly drowning out my own voice in one that I did a while ago. And, yep, yeah, it's out there. But, I mean,
0: still, somehow, people are coming. So I'm well, getting a that's, little
1: bit better slowly.
0: <laughs> you know, though, um, that's one thing I've picked up from – the, that Gary V, listening to him a lot, is, like, just, like, just put it out there. If nothing else, like, people might find it really endearing to watch you go from where you started to where you end up, you know, just watching uh-huh. that transformation happen, because it, uh-huh. it shows that you're totally a real person, right? You're not, mm-hmm. you're not doing this with, like, production quality, like, a whole crew behind you, like, recording all this stuff.
1: Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Sometimes I'm in the middle of something, I'm like, man, this is a memory. (laughs) It'll be (laughs) funny someday, and it's kind
0: of funny now, but uh, lots of rigged setups, that's for sure. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So, how are you managing it, I guess, or how do you feel like you're managing it, like, Uh, a mom of an active two-year-old, you know, working on, on making physical things plus content, how are you managing all of that right now? Uh, Poorly,
1: I feel like, I mean, that's kind of the modern mom or modern woman stereotype, like they're doing everything, and I feel like they're not doing enough, but I, I, I need, I'm in the process of figuring out better time management. And I think specifically for my YouTube channel, what that will probably look like is going to just one video a week. Currently I do two. And that's what all the experts say is like the minimum that you want to do. And some really successful YouTubers have always only ever done one video a week and that works for them. Some of my favorite YouTubers just do one video a week and I'm happy to see them and I don't miss them the other six days. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that model. Um, and there's different advice across YouTube. So some people would say like, the more you can get out there, the more chances you have people to see you. Um, but even with like the things that you just suggested, the other websites where for one video, I could cross promote it to more places. I think that would go really well with only doing one video a week and then being able to keep all of that work in nap time and after bedtime, and then also be able to keep as a priority the reason for it all, which is being a stay-at-home mom uh, in a present way with my daughter, and then also being present for my spouse, because that's one thing. People talk about nap time and after bedtime, but also after bedtime is the only time a day that you get to see your partner without your kid or kids, so it's all a balancing act. I feel like I'm not balancing
0: it well currently, but I'm hopeful that I will get there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I think, I think you're spot on. And I think also though, you should give yourself grace and kindness to be like, sometimes you're going to be doing really well in one area of the, the, life pie and sometimes (laughs) it'll be (laughs) it'll be another area right and there's going to be ebbs and flows Um, and yeah yeah. some the priorities are fluid and will shift and I think that's okay Um, I do think that's okay what is your favorite part about being a mom to an active two-year-old yeah. Um, I
1: think just watching her grow. So every new stage is kind of exciting. Like, look what you can do now. It's fun. Um, sometimes it creates a lot more work for me, but that's always a good sign because it's like one more step towards your independent grown-up self. Not that I like am sending her to college right now in my mind. I don't, not rushing her towards that, but um, it's just really fun to see her grow and develop new skills and abilities hmm
0: absolutely uh what are you hoping that she learns from watching you make things and you know she's she's not realizing it now but she's getting to see the beginning stages of you as a entrepreneur so what do you hope she starts learning from all of that
1: yeah um I would love it if uh she was interested like obviously I don't want to push anything on her she's totally not into it I would love it if she was interested just like in the brass tacks of things that I can do so that I can teach her how to do xyz with uh carpentry or remodeling or whatever and the idea behind that I guess to make her as independent as she wants to be in adulthood um it's just really great to be able to do for yourself. Um, And there's nothing wrong with paying skilled people if you can afford it, but you can't always. So it's really nice to be able to be independent in some areas that not everybody can be. So Mm -hmm. I guess that.
0: Okay. Yeah. What would be your advice to another uh, female mom or mom who um, wants to tackle learning a new skill like DIY um, woodworking crafting but is hesitant to get started I guess the same advice that I've been hearing a
1: lot with the whole YouTube thing uh the just get started um with the caveat of anything power tool related uh educate yourself first. uh, If possible, have somebody that already knows how to operate the thing help you the first time or two. But other than that, just get started. And then also um, to check your imposter syndrome. (laughs) Um, You are just as well equipped to do all of these things as anybody else, any guy, any other woman who is already doing it. There's nothing that keeps you from using like power tools especially they if anything level the playing field for women um to be able to do uh projects and careers that historically they didn't all have the brute force to do um so yeah just get started and know that you belong there if that's what you want to do
0: i think that's great advice Um, All right, Katie, here's your time to uh, totally plug yourself. Where can people find you on all of the interwebs if they're not following along with you?
1: Okay, well, mainly I am on YouTube currently. So my channel name is HandyMom, one word. And I am on Instagram, but currently I mostly just plug my YouTube there. (laughs) That is (laughs) HandyMom19.
0: Okay, awesome. that's
1: it for now.
0: (laughs) Okay, awesome. And I will uh, include the links to those uh, in the show notes so people can totally follow along with you. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate the invitation. And I didn't expect to get great new ideas. So thanks for that too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Um, All right. Now we're on to the uh, after show, after party type bit here. Okay, question number one. If your shop was on fire and you could only save one tool, what would it be? Oh,
1: man. Uh,
0: Miter saw. Miter saw. Okay, very good choice. Uh, Power tool?
1: Are we talking about power tool?
0: It could be hand tool too.
1: I'll still go
0: with Okay, hand tools are cheap. <laughs> uh, depends on the type of hand tool you buy. I well, say that.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I might maybe have a $70 hammer. Just saying. Yes. Otherwise,
0: hand tools are cheap. <laughs> um, what is at the top of your, like, I can't wait till I can buy this tool. Also a miter saw, um, <laughs> the one
1: I have currently is not quite as old as me, but almost. So I came out in 91 and this saw came out in 94. So I have my heart set on the DeWalt Sliding Compound Double Bevel Miter Saw, 12 inch. I had one at work, I've missed him so much and it's currently my life tool acquisition goal to
0: get one again. <laughs> Well, I hope not to make you jealous, but I have one of those in my shop. That was my very first like tool purchase. As a good purchase. It is. It is a very good purchase. I do way more than cross cuts with that thing. I do way more than what I should do with that thing. But luckily I luckily I still have all of my appendages. Um, That is
1: good.
0: Yes. Um. All right. What do you listen to while you are working, if anything? I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. If it's noisy, then I like audiobooks and podcasts. Or if I'm feeling really chill, I listen to a Civil Wars Pandora station. I really mm-hmm. like them. Um. And if it's quiet, that's normally the time I try to spend catching up on YouTube videos of people I'm trying to network with.
0: Mhm mhm uh top top podcast top audiobook hmm
1: everything by Stephen King
0: okay
1: for audiobooks um and I for Nebraska and I don't know if other states have this but overdrive is a library thing like if you have a Library card to anywhere in Nebraska, mm-hmm. you can log in and basically borrow an endless amount of audiobooks for free. So that's my favorite audiobook resource mm-hmm. that I use all the time. <laughs> and podcasts, I'm going to share right now, it's mostly just trying to educate myself on YouTube. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's good. And this uh, one,
1: this past week. I've been Good. listening to all your stuff. lots of fun this past week, so I'll definitely continue that in the future.
0: <laughs> Good, not a requirement, but I'm glad to hear that. Um, oh no, of course not a requirement, <laughs> but I recommend it. Good. Um, okay, let's see here. This is this is kind of somewhat serious, but hopefully fun. What do you hope, like you know, in seventy years from now? When you move past this life, what do you hope is the legacy you leave behind?
1: Hmm. I guess in construction or making terms, I hope that I am another voice that furthers Uh, the idea that all women can be a part of this if they want to be. Like uh, when people like myself think snidely about weekend warriors that are able to afford nicer tools than they can, even though they don't even really know how to use them. I want the mental image of that weekend warrior that doesn't even know what they're doing not to automatically be a white upper middle class man. I want to have snide thoughts about lower class women or any woman. (laughs) Yeah. I I want that to be, I want that to be a new reality. So I I guess I want to be a part of making that happen.
0: Would you say that's your mission behind your YouTube channel? Yes, I think so.
1: Um, Yeah, I... I like to do all of my videos like I'm talking to my 19-year-old self that didn't know a drill from a screwdriver, Um, but then to work people up to a point or, let's see, how am I trying to say this? I like to do everything so that it's accessible to anyone Mm -hmm. and to prove that things that look really complicated
0: or really cool are something that anyone can learn how to do. I think that's that's perfect. Um, okay, let me see. I'm trying to think. So you are a '90s child. I'm trying to think. Yes. <laughs> Millennial. Uh, that's okay. I'm the first year of the millennials, <laughs> so I can't. All
1: right. I all can't.
0: Right. I can't throw any shade. <laughs> I'm, I'm just you know ten years older than you, but still um we're
1: not that bad
0: <laughs> we're not that bad everybody gives us a bad rap but we're not that bad um yeah all right favorite music of the 90s mm. I don't honestly know I grew up pretty conservative so I'm not actually familiar Ooh, with a lot of 90s music cause which like would women. make total sense I'm gonna tell you this real quick so we have a Sirius radio in uh, one of our vehicles. And so there's mm-hmm. like a, um, a pop 2000s channel, which will kind of actually play like late 90s, like early 2000s music, which for me was graduating high school and going into college. And mm-hmm. like the first time I went onto that channel and I had my kids with me, I like quickly had to change it because I'm like every song is about sex. Why did I not realize this when I was like that age that like every single song of that era seems to be about sex? So (laughs) if you grew up conservatively, I would not be surprised you did not listen to that music.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Okay, then what genre did you listen to as a kid? As a kid, um,
1: we you... we only listened to Christian music, and okay. uh, that was continued through middle school and high school. So I was big into like DC Talk was like a Christian I know boy DC band. Talk. Kind of thing. Yes, I know DC. Yeah, and talk. then Toby Mac came out of that afterwards when they broke up, and
0: it was so sad. Um, what about what about Go Fish? I'm throwing out my like. Yes, Uh, Christian rock groups that I know
1: (laughs) I wasn't as much into them but like you say their name I'm like yes I know exactly who they are (laughs) yes
0: (laughs) awesome Um, well for real this time thanks for taking the time to talk with me today and uh, let me steal some of your shop time during nap time I do appreciate that greatly yes And your episode will be out, let me see, next Friday, which will be the 22nd is when your episode will come out. Awesome. Yeah. So feel free to share as widely and as much as you want. Um, I will say that the Maker Moms who... Share the most to generally get the the most, you know, people to listen and stuff like that. Um, so this, feel free to use this as a promotion of yourself as well. Um, will do for what Definitely. you're doing. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> have no fear. I will share on the shares.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, I well, thank you so yeah. much
1: again for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. I feel so fancy. you've been on a podcast now i will say i will say this if you do start to listen to gary v don't Mm -hmm. do it with your kids around he uses the f word like every three to four words um but (laughs) the information he has is like really good information but not one to listen with the kids around my husband
1: and I have this running joke, because like I said, I grew up very kids early, yeah. but um, I'm less so now. I'm not like crazy, but um, we have this running joke, like we know she's going to just like drop the F-bomb hearing it from one of us, and I know in my soul that it's going to be right to like my mom's face for the first time. <laughs> and where did she learn that? I Oh, whoa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, that'll be interesting. <laughs>
0: well, my, my first, like, real, not first word, but uh, my grandfather, for whatever reason, used to, like, to teach all of his toddler grandchildren to say bullshit. That was, like, his thing he liked <laughs> to teach us to say. And so, like, right uh-huh. after seeing him, my mom takes me, like, to the grocery store, and some older lady was like, oh, what an adorable little girl, and I go, Bullshit. Straight to his <gasps> face. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so I don't know if it could be any worse than that, but I'm just <laughs> letting you know.
1: <laughs> Poor unassuming little old lady, <laughs> just <laughs> trying to be nice.
0: Exactly. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> yes, yes. But okay, so maybe it won't be something she's never heard before. But I did want to give you that forewarning because. Some right. people get turned off by thank that. <laughs> so, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. And the older she gets and the more she repeats, that is it's something to be mindful of. <laughs> <laughs> True. All right. Well, again, I'll go ahead and let you go. And thank you so much. And I hope you have a great rest of your weekend weekend. Thank you. I hope you do too. All right. Bye. Bye. Alright, so again that was Katie with Handy Mom and I will include the ways to follow along with her on YouTube and Instagram in the show notes. If you don't know how to get to the show notes, just follow along with Maker Mom Podcast on Instagram. That's just at Maker Mom Podcast. And hit the link in the bio there and you will find a way to get to the show notes so you can follow along with Katie and all the previous guests, as well as a link to get over to Patreon if you want to become a patron of the podcast and get your own special shout out and join in on the community over there and get all kinds of extra things like monthly meetups and all that kind of fun stuff. All right, so thank you again, everybody, especially the patrons, uh, for listening to the show and for sending me such encouraging notes and that you're enjoying all of the episodes. I really enjoy doing them, so it's a win-win for both of us. So truly, truly, thank you so much, and I hope you have a fabulous weekend getting to make, get time in the shop, get time with your family, whatever makes you happy. All right, I will talk with you next week. Thank you for listening to the Maker Mom podcast. You can connect with the Maker Mom community in the Facebook group page, Maker Moms. And remember, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe, leave an awesome review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know.